<laughs> Dang. <laughs> Man, alright, okay. I'm feeling it now. Thank you, Ollie. There you go. Now you got the juice. Ooh. I do see the, the, the stream scheduled here on the channel. Alright, I'm gonna go, guys. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, everyone. This is Endurance Chat, and uh, with another actual episode of Endurance Chat, this is a qualifying review slash hype for the Rolex 24 Daytona, the 2023 edition. With me, uh, this is Cookie Monster FL, Austin Zetsman. Uh, we have Chris Washer and uh, Ollie. Ollie Trevisaurus, how are you doing, my friends? very well what an exciting qualifying session that was but oh, yeah. i mean no, no, no one wants to talk about that right mm -hmm. no 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 we don't want to chat about the new uh the new cars on track finally after a little bit but uh yeah, we, we actually psyched you all we're actually previewing the formerly e-races next week sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> look i mean they it's the, yes uh hello ollie how are you doing buddy hi not bad Good, good, good. You can make it. It's a long, long way away from uh, the the shores of America here, where we're uh, we're finally getting uh, sports car racing started in the northern hemisphere uh, for 2023. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm ready, and uh, it just happens to actually have some IMSA uh, racing to do with it, uh, namely the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, and really, what we want us to do is kind of just get everybody hyped for this race. Uh, I mean, even just as sports car fans, um, you know. All of us nerds have uh, poured through as many um, rumors, memes, documents, whatever we possibly can to to break these new machines down, um, and we do that every year. But this year is a little bit more special. We've got a lot more new machinery and different classes, and uh, we got to see all of them finally on track and, and give it maybe not ten tenths yet. Maybe we got we saw eleven tenths, but we absolutely saw them dice it out. And the qualifying results, at least for GTP right now, are within a second for the nine cars that were on track and qualifying. Guys, I mean, at least from how it looks right now, BOP doesn't appear to be uh, a problem heading into it, although I'm sure we've got a few days for teams to start hint, hint, wink, wink, nod, nodding at uh, other teams sandbagging. But what were you guys' first thoughts on the uh, GTP category's first qualifying session? Looks great. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm a simple man. I like to see close competitive racing, and that's... According to this qualifying session, you know, I, do, I normally not like to take uh, times too serious. I like to see, wait, you know, until the race actually develops or get more uh, what's evidence of what's of what's to come. But as of right now, yeah, it, it's look it looks very promising for the race. And like I, hypothetically, if the hype, if the um, reliability issues don't come into play, we're looking to some very competitive racing over the next 24 hours uh, next weekend. You said reliability issues, Ali. So I would say you're the more you're the more technical guy out of the three of us here. What was your, what what are your first thoughts on on seeing these things on track at least in anger, um, in these first sessions that we're seeing of the LMDH uh, slash GTP era? Uh, we're seeing that the drivers are less reliable than the cars, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is on, almost a good thing. Almost walls. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's tough to know yet because um, it's you know it's all pretty new um, yeah sure a lot of a lot of the LMDH cars have been running 
lots of testing, but also, you know, it's it's all still pretty compressed with how long everything's been getting ready, you know, from the, the technical side for the like the spec powertrain, that sort of thing coming together with all the different suppliers. But um yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see how because it's kind of a bit unknown in the kind of public domain, let's say, with how these cars will do, you know, in the limelight. Because, um, you know, maybe there are some testing things that um, may have been kind of hidden from view. So now it's the proper test, like, you know, when everyone's watching, what's going to happen? So it's good. Yeah, I I mean just to at least see these cars on track, and uh, for us to have an extra little uh, test session, um, little practice session with the just the LMDHs on track uh, before qualifying uh, due to a a hybrid system software update, which you know we can get into that in a little bit too. Uh, you know what up our expected reliability uh, or what our uh, projected reliability expectations are on some of these cars because. I mean, you know, just to even see an extra practice session come about before qualifying because of a software update is, I'm not going to say unique, but it is kind of just like this is this is the new normal of things to come. And especially from what the teams are saying is that this hybrid package, not like it's it's unreliable, but they've had some teething issues uh, over the last year. So uh, it, just to kind of see these on track and at least get a perspective of, their speed at least translated instead of just looking at still pictures was was very relieving to me so and uh we're not seeing a, a, a i don't want to say we're not seeing a lot of um issues but uh nothing that seemed to prevent any of these teams from going within eight tenths of each other you know in qualifying uh this afternoon so uh, honestly this is about as good of a look as you can ask for for gtp at least heading into uh next weekend's race uh, you know, but we'll see. I mean, 24 hours is 24 hours. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if all of them finished, but I also wouldn't be surprised if none of them finished, uh, to be honest. But we'll we'll find the way, out. The way I'd describe it is like, yes, there is a lot more that can go wrong, but a lot of it is known quantities. Like, you know, the cooling systems, they're well-known the battery systems, they're well known. The motor systems, they're well known. You know, the gearbox, it's all, it, nothing's really new per se um, in terms of the spec stuff. Um, it's just, yeah, there's more more things to go wrong. It's just, will they? Um, you know, we said this years and years for the past year, few years, you know, with new cars, in the WEC and stuff like that like you know all the new cars could go wrong and you know sometimes they did sometimes they didn't so it's there are more potential things to go wrong but will they go wrong probably not but yeah we'll just see the numbers would would indicate that I I, I would say at least somebody's in LM, uh, LMDH or GTP is going to finish but Hey, I mean, look, it's come to bear in 2003 when Grand Am did the D the DPs. That was a mess for them. There was a lot of DPs, and they all had problems. So, you know, and all it needs is just a bit of rain and some of these things to go wrong. But again, like, that's 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 the 24 hours. Uh, hey, Chris, so with uh, that being said, 
I, I want to give a little shout out to uh, to our newest uh, championship series that will be running uh, most IMSA weekends, which is the uh, VP mm-hmm. Racing Fuels Sports Car Challenge. Uh, you're the king of obscure series here. What what do you rate this? Uh, the first two races of the series. What do you what are your expectations of it? Were they were they diminished a bit, or or are you looking more forward to it? Uh, I I think they're perfectly fine uh, fine races. I mean, I think race two was a little bit more fun than race one, mainly because it was a little of the entertainment factors, little little you know, funny moments in there. But yeah, if you're looking for forty five minutes to kill, I wouldn't say this would be a bad thing to to do because I, I don't know. I had fun watching these races, and I think it's much better than what we had previous, which is Prototype Challenge, where they had like what 13 12 LMP3 cars racing around for like an hour and a half and I, I, I don't know it, it got boring pretty quick with that and so yeah I think the new series we had what 24 entries about um, more of them came from the GSX class which is just basically a GT4 to keep it simple um, and we had some great racing in that um, so yeah I, I really think this series is uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good addition and we'll see it. I think the next time we see it is at Laguna Seca. I mean, I certainly enjoyed how many of the drivers couldn't seem to to keep it on track, or at least like they knew how to drive, but they still had that eye racing, like low eye rating, just not able to like maneuver confidently enough laps around traffic to to not loop it or spin. And you know, some some people were trying to pass on the outside and they literally didn't have any grip, ran out of road in the international horseshoe, just like ran off on the grass. Like you just you, you saw like raw like racing skills and learning lessons on screen. <laughs> and it was just not not necessarily it was comical, but it, it added like a lot of well, you have no idea if this guy's gonna actually maintain this position after he finally passed him because he could literally loop it in the next corner because he's just like he's like me who would be racing and I racing where I'm like I finally got around him I could set my own oh yeah I forgot my own breaking point and then he just completely like spins it but because a lot of times too you got like guys who are inexperienced and they just will just I don't know like they forgot where the brake uh, pedal was and they just go flying into a wall and almost kill themselves. And at least all these guys seem like they're competent enough not to kill themselves, but they're not competent enough to not spin like every other lap sometimes. Right. This is one of those series where you can't take it seriously. It's just AMs racing each other. Um, it's, it's That's literally what it is. Like, you won't find, like, professional drivers here unless, you know, like, they, they're desperately needing a drive. But, yeah, there was a moment in race two to, to, uh, today. Where, like, I think it was the newer M4 GT4 where it, it just kind of, like, it looked like it was going to make the bus stop, and, like, at the very last minute, it was like, oh, we're, I'm just going to cut it instead and make make it everyone else's problem. <laughs> I think the interesting thing that's... Oh, sorry, were you guys were you saying something? Oh, what's up, Jeb? <laughs> hey, Jeb. Uh, hey, so uh, we also are having people in this live uh, stream as well. So, uh, Jeb, uh, who was on our previous uh, little episode about the Daytona preview, what's going on? What do you have to say about this uh, series, Jeb? Uh, hi, hello. I was going to say, what's interesting, too, is it's actually shown the pace difference between the LMP3 and the GT4, predominantly in a straight line. What was kind of funny was actually the fact that they're, they're almost the same speed through the banking. Obviously, the corners, the P3s are faster, but I remember watching, the P3s are a little bit faster through the banking, but watching it and going, oh, he's 
not really pulling away from him. Like, theoretically, you could probably draft one of the P3s. It's going to be a lot slippier, so there's not going to be as much draft. But I remember, I remember watching it and going, huh, that's... This, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be more interesting at tracks like maybe like Road, Ama- uh, Road Atlanta or something like that. Hmm. I think Daytona's a really bad track for the P3s because they just have no straight line speed when compared to other prototypes. Yep, yep. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think you said our next race is what? Uh, Ooh, for the uh, IMSA Pro, uh, VP uh, Racing Fuels Sports Car Challenge Series. Uh, let me look that up. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm I think uh, all of all of us in the stream when we were watching were like, uh, I can't wait for it to get to this racetrack because it'll be a complete uh, like shit show and all this other stuff. So, but I don't actually know what the schedule is. Do you got it? Uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, oh, it's on his website. So, they, oh, they are going to Sebring. Okay, that'll be. Oh, oh, cool. um, yeah, that's the. There's no before. way CTMP is the third round of their championship, dog. Just, oh, I, I just want to pop in here to make things more clear. Sebring, I believe, is the weekend before Super Sebring. Okay. I, I believe. I think it might be paired up with... Because in the, in the past, like they had Prototype Challenge at Sebring, but it was like the week before, it was like paired up with the Historics. So ho- hopefully those get streamed. I know in the past that those were not. Hmm. Yeah, as yeah, we're scrambling to look the schedule up, but... Um, yeah, but I'm Russian. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm doing it too, and I can't find it yet. But no, it's no, no, yeah. so it's 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 the Roar, Sebring, K Tower Motorsports Park, Lime Rock, uh, VIR, Petit Le Mans. I think VIR Petit Le Mans will be the most interesting rounds. Lime Rock will be really interesting because I imagine the prototypes would be a lot faster, um, much faster. Yeah, it'll and just be it'll that... just be interesting because. We've seen this one. They added LMP3 into IMSA with the GT3s, and at the time, the GTEs and the GT Mas. Is that depending on what, for example, with the GTEs, depending on what track they were at, sometimes the GTEs were actually faster. So I don't think we're gonna have this problem with the GT4s. It's just gonna be a matter of how close that gap is, because then theoretically, a bad LMP3 or an LMP3 recovering from like a, a spin or an early pit stop could theoretically be racing GT4s for position. Yeah, and, and critically be holding them up too. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and I, yeah, I'm actually working through this too. But it is uh, March 11, 12, so that is the weekend before uh, the thousand miles of Sebring and twelve hours of Sebring. So, but yeah, that's a that's a new series. Uh, we were definitely interested in seeing how it was. I don't think it overly impressed, nor did it really underimpress for me. But you know, it it, it was it was entertaining uh, in a way that the prototype challenge wasn't before. Because again, it just I don't know, just uh, having a single car series than that low with those specs didn't really produce like very tight racing. And with that, you know, like uh, we would get that from. Uh, Mazda MX-5, which is also going to be next weekend. Two races, definitely. You guys should be checking those out as like as absolute musts if you're at the track. Um, and if you can watch them, I believe there is a race on uh, Friday, and there's a race in the afternoon on Thursday. Yeah, yep. 45 minutes, 5:30 p.m. to 6:15. Uh, tune your radios to that if you're not at the track. Ha ha ha. Uh, or there's another race, uh, Mazda MX-5 race, 45 minutes from 10.15 to 11 a.m. on Friday, January 27th. So, Is that's Friday going to be all racing? Uh, it's going to be lots of racing, yes. For strategically asking because I have uh, Friday off. 
there is a practice uh, 925 to 955 for Michelin Challenge, but uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, mostly sorry, I just want to I just want to point out something interesting. Um, is this 2020? Uh, oh, never mind. IMSA. Never mind. I'm dumb. I was reading IMSA's website wrong. Oh, no worries. That's that's what we do half the time anyway, especially with the podcast. Yeah. I read all my stuff wrong on this, regardless. What, what was the pace difference between the GT3s, uh, sorry, the GT4s and the LMP3s around uh, Daytona? Oh. Ooh, oh. Uh... Quick, to Camel Systems. I'm looking, re- I'm looking right now. Qualifying for P3s was 140. All was a 146. Pull for the GT4s was a 155, so that's a 10-second gap. That's interesting because it, I've looked at two tracks so far, and the gap seems to be around 10 seconds in pace. So but that sounds quite big, but it didn't look big when I was watching it on the broadcast. The the, the P3s actually looked quite slow compared to the, the, the GT4s. Yeah, it definitely depends on pilot. The, the P1 was storming. Uh, whoever, I can't remember his name, was it was in the LP3, was doing a good job getting through a lot of the traffic and putting them a lap down within 45 minutes so I, it's definitely enough where he's going to see him then but I don't know I think maybe like yeah I don't know besides that I like I said I would hope to see more cars in the class but hey I'm looking forward to the rest of the uh, schedule because there's going to be some races where there should be uh, a lot more of a mess <laughs> with yeah. some of these cars uh, but yeah so besides that um Testing uh, for the other uh, classes that are going to be racing the Rolex 24 continue uh, besides UTP. Uh, and we had some new cars in uh, GTD. Or, I, I, I'm sorry, not... Uh, oh, yeah, wait. Yes, GTD and GTD Pro with the uh, Porsches and Ferraris, um, who were seeing quite a bit of an issue with the Porsches in their top end, which was it gave some people concern however i think it's mostly like an imsa thing they they seem to just underperform some of the new cars rather than overperforming them on bop but it's seeming like with the data that it's pretty significant their top end speeds reduced so do you guys think that there should be any uh last minute bop for the porsches or even the ferraris or anything like that or do you think this this might play out just fine but- I, th- I think the first thing in terms of IMSA dealing with the BOP and, and seem- never seeming to get it right for the new cars, I'm willing to bet you what probably happens. This is not confirmed, but I'm willing to bet you what probably happens is that a manufacturer gives them a number, and they go, hmm, what's the real number? And then they probably get the same number, and then they go, that's not the real number. And then it turns out it might actually be the real number, or it might be different. So they kind of just guess. I feel like first-time BOP really is just a guess. That's the problem. And so, I don't know. It's I'll cut him some slack. Once again, this is the test weekend for the Rolex 24. So we found out the BOP's wrong. So they'll probably adjust it for the actual race. But uh, in terms of that, I don't know, actually. How, how off the pace are they? I'm trying to pull up the results, and it's, it's agonizing. Well, there are uh, sector three times where, where they were losing a lot. Uh, I think it was either six or seven tenths or something like that that they were losing is, on the on is the sector three. Just the banking. It's from it's breaking zone of the Lamar chicane or whatever that is chicane or no no not the bus stop oh well, Lamar bus stop or something I don't know whatever they're calling it but basically the end of that or the breaking zone of that to the start finish line. Okay, so it's literally just a straight line. Well, I mean, there's two corners, but it's effectively a straight line. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So okay. 
But are they, how much slower are they per lap? Are they just slower in sector three? They might just have no top end, but they might be faster in the infield. I think they, they're they're yeah. they're decent on pace in the, the infield. The fastest Porsche, the gap for the fastest Porsche was 3.2 seconds behind pole. Oh. <laughs> but, um, so were... Really glad I didn't pick that faff, eh? <laughs> yeah, also, by the way, everybody, we do a fantasy uh, endurance uh, pick em for uh, Rolex 24. Uh, not pick em, I'm sorry. Uh, but weighted fantasy. Uh, M.W. Clarkson, thank you for all your work, and uh, good luck to everybody in 2023. I absolutely cannot wait until I forget about, like, the second WEC round, and then I go, ah, you know, 2024 is my year for real. Yeah. <laughs> How many times has that happened, Jeb? <laughs> I, I, I genuinely – well, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm bad at, fa at p remembering Fantasy WEC, but I literally forgot to pick Lamar one year. Like, I forgot You're to bad pick – remembering WEC, let alone Fantasy. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true, yeah. I'll, that's I'll join and I'll seen. be like, hey, what's on? And it's like, oh, it's the eight hours of Bahrain. It's like, oh, I – I mean, yeah. Bahrain, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a night – it's an eight-hour night race. Uh, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, let me yeah, – In let me the desert. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we've got uh, yeah, obviously the two nine six two is uh, looks and sounds lovely. Um, well, I don't even know. Do you guys? Do you actually? I don't know if I want to say sounds. Do you guys like the sound of it? This is su this is such a specific, uh, stupid question. But <laughs> what do nice, you? But it's quiet. Yeah, it's just really quiet. It's like the BMW M eight. Like it sounded really cool, but. You could only hear it when it was on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, if it was any car around, it would drown it out. It sounds that like it sounds like a, almost like a, a cross between like a V6 and a V8 that just is farting all the time. Like that's all I can think of. The way, the way I still I don't know what car we're talking about. The the, the, the Ferrari. Like a hair dryer. No. Yes. Like a hair yes. Dryer sound yep. That's just just lots of fast <laughs> moving air, and that's kind of it. Is that was that a good thing? I don't no. know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> There's the noise. Yeah, it's it's I, I like There's it's no it's confusing. I'll say that. Like I there's a part of it where I like it, but then it also just doesn't uh, like there's a part that's unappealing, so it makes me conflicted. So I guess good job Ferrari. Uh I don't know how I feel about the sound of the car. But that noise could be wasted air. It I, could be wa sorry, wasted energy. Uh well that's why yeah. The Audis were really quiet. The, the diesels. No, oh, I mean, yeah, they, they were. were I mean, we we're. Uh, I mean, that was interesting because I was going to make a comment about how we were talking about uh, vacuum cleaners with the Peugeots, but uh, and now we're talking about hair dryers with the with the Ferrari GT uh, GT3. But yeah, it, uh, again, a very aggressive look. Um, the car seems stable, and again, like these are just like at least some observations of some stuff that we could see from qualifying. Um, Porsche had a little off in qualifying uh, with their uh, GTP, and I don't know. It definitely did look like the Porsches were a little bit more on edge in terms of their corner entries and exits. Uh, like it didn't seem like they were as smooth as like the Cadillac seemed pretty, very like pretty smooth, and the uh, Acura was just. It, it seemed like it was it, it was darty, but it was very planted, um, and it would get to every apex that it needed to quickly. So. I don't know. It it was interesting seeing the look of the GTPs and uh, as well as the new cars. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just hard to get a gauge of them. Uh, but we'll talk too about uh, the qualifying results for the rest of the field here. Um, but uh, we, for LMP two, 
uh, we had the 52 of uh, PR1 Matheson Motorsports uh, claiming pole uh, for that category. Any thoughts on the LMP2 qualifying results, guys? And that session ended early because of a crash at the bus stop with the number, I believe, I can't remember the number, was the Tower Motorsports car with John Ferrano behind the wheel. Um, and then the Por Fred Pordad, uh, I believe, turn six had a little incident in turn seven or turn six going straight off in the proton competition car as well and that caused a red flag and that basically ended the session early so those cars will start at the back of the grid on saturday but yeah keating once again shows why he's uh getting all these drives and why he's racing for corvette and wec uh, yeah something interesting to report to uh, ben keating i believe himself uh, feel free to find a source on this uh, right around, because that, that that incident was late in qualifying, right? Yes, the, that was, was like with the, the bus stop incident. That was, was like, around mid. It was like five minutes ago, six minutes ago. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. It would be interesting because I know so because Elkamel's cool and they have a weather report. This is pretty neat. I know uh, Ben was talking about how the wind changed at some point, which would 100 percent affect uh, how those cars are going through the bus stop too. I know he said that for GTP qualifying, but I, I'm looking at it. I'm not trying to be a weather guy now, but. The, the graph that goes up and down with the wind speed has a lot of very sharp lines around the middle to end up qualifying. So that might have been somewhat of a factor in the bus stop. I'm not saying it's entirely based on the wind. You know, it might have been a skill issue. It was but... windy, though. That is, I, I definitely would, I would underscore that with, uh, it was, it, it was windy. I don't think it was as windy as last year uh, at some at some times, but... I mean, it looked like 20 mile an hour gusts potentially. Uh, and it looked, I, I think the wind direction was like crosswind for the the backstretch as well. So again, I, it, it Daytona is such a huge track and it's, it is open-ish quote unquote, like for wind to really whip and get in there and, and pick up speed. I, I mean, it's definitely not something where uh, the cars are protected from wind at all. Uh, so that, that absolutely could have played a factor in it. Well, it's also next to an airfield, too, right? So it's got a large open space that the wind can come over, where it's supposed to, like a track like Road America, where it's got all the trees built up around it. Mm -hmm. You can't really get that. Whereas if you're next to a wide open space, which itself is next to the ocean, it is, I 100% expect the wind to be a factor in that point. Really protected by any grandstands there, are they? No. So, yeah, especially out of the back straight. Yeah. And the wall. Yep. Yeah. I know, and it, it, it genuinely, I, I would say even more so, like Sebring is an open area because it's a it's a previously used airfield and you know it'll get windy to a certain point but there's a lot of trees that are at least somewhere nearby uh daytona mm -hmm. has a regional airport that's right in the back behind the the speedway so you have a massive amount of area for just essentially that there's no trees or anything really obstructing the wind it does pick up uh and yeah. the the bankings do not do anything when it comes to uh, like helping the wind. If anything, it, it kind of creates more of a, um, it, depending on the direction, it'll channel wind like more almost around the corners and create even more gust. Like it's it's definitely an experience to be out there January, February, um, and to be on a windy day because it's more than you think. Yeah, so looking at the the uh, wind data right now, um, or weather, uh, yeah, wind direction right now it's directly in line with a tailwind for breaking into the bus stop 
so that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's about the worst scenario. Yeah. Apart from, yeah. I guess, a crosswind. Yeah, yeah. Which should be awkward. So no crosswind, but tailwind, which is bad. Um, actually, I'm sorry to jump around here. We uh, I forgot to do the GTP qualifying. I mean, we talked about it, but I don't, I don't think know what we... that is actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not mm -hmm. familiar with that class. No. no, no, it's 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 really new, Jeb. So you might not have. Uh, is that from about VP it. Sports Car Challenge? Yeah, no, it is. It is. It <laughs> yeah, is. Historics. Right now. <laughs> oh, it's always oh, historics qualifying. Yeah, oh, yeah. They lumped yeah, them yeah, with like IMSA. In the 80s, or, that kind on, of thing. On the pole, Chip Robinson. This is what they meant yeah. to do for the IMSA 50th anniversary, but they just didn't do it. Uh, maybe but... they go to most sport. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, I did yeah, say they, they go in late August. They go in late August, the traditional date. God, I did say uh, nine cars for GTP, or I'm sorry, eight cars uh, were actually had, or no, nine cars, but eight cars actually had the actual qualifying thing go through because one of the Porsches wrecked. Uh, we had yep. the number, number six. yep, number six uh, by Nick Tandy for uh, Penske Porsche. Uh, and he was on a flyer; like he had the best sector one and sector two of that lap. When he got hit by a microburst. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Nick Tandy. Uh, insert uh, whatever that Bill Oberlin clip that I had yep. up once. Uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, that the that led uh, the Porsche Penske didn't actually fare too bad. They had a uh, P two uh, with this number seven grabs second place. Uh, the cat or oh man, I see. I saw Konica Minolta, and I immediately I thought Cadillac, which is terrible. Uh, but they're in the Acura, uh, and they grab third place uh, with the pole going to Meyershank Racing in the number 60, uh, the Acura ARX06, and that was Tom Blumquist driving. So uh, it really does look like the, uh, the the Acuras seem to have the the really quick pace. We'll see on a long stints how they do. Uh, it just looks like they can get to an ultimate pace easier, quote-unquote, to say than the other ones. And this is just first glance, but... Uh, the Cadillacs, excuse me, uh, rounded out at least the last, uh, I'm sure I should say just say four, five, and six and BMWs, uh, rounded out the last, uh, two that were, uh, not disqualified for wrecking. Uh, so the seven will start at the back, or, uh, excuse me, the six will start at the back and, uh, we'll have a good spatter of GTPs all with good lap times next to each other. So. What are your guys' thoughts on at least the qualifying results? Is this anything to take away to the end of the Rolex 24? Or do you think this order gets really jumbled up before the end of the race? Well, uh, I mean, it, it will get jumbled up. It's the Rolex. But I, I think the main predominant thing with Cadillac being so far back, quote-unquote so far back, they're only like two tenths off. Which when you actually think about in the spec of professional racing – Yes, two-tenths. I know two-tenths can be a lot, but two-tenths isn't that much for entirely new regulations. Not only the IMSA regulations, too, which have lucky dogs, wa or I should say wave-arounds, and uh, and have more yellow, uh, or cautions, I should say, because we're still in America, <laughs> doing this on NASCAR. But, uh, yeah, so it should genuinely be easier for you to, even if you don't want to go ten-tenths to keep up with somebody, you just... Can keep up until there is another caution, uh, and run your own race. Whether that be a, a fuel strategy, a tire strategy, I hope to see a bunch of that start to come to play, especially with how close the qualifying was. Um, this at least gives me hope that we're going to see out of the box stuff outside of just outright pace and whether or not a driver feels comfortable in the car um, and can get through traffic. Uh, this should be really good, at least 
as far as I'm concerned. But uh, Ollie, did you anything to take from this at all, or is this just kind of nothing really? Does it do these qualifying results mean anything to you? Well, it, it's tough because like there's so much that can happen in the next in the, the next 24 hours of the race kind of thing. Um, some things that were interesting is the there was a red the late red flag and then there was maybe one flying lap or two flying laps maybe was it and it's interesting how the pole time came from those last laps so you know how tom blomquist was able to turn on those tires really quickly and get a pole lap from that short amount of time was really impressive um so maybe we'll see the Acura's really good at turning on their tires, like, you know, cold tires coming out, new new tires coming out of the pit lane. Um, so that could be interesting. Um, I haven't really looked at, at all at practice times, like if anyone did a kind of simulated stint, like full stint, um, because, you know, that's where a big amount of this Rolex um, performance will come from you know multi-stinting tires that sort of thing um but also as well as the tires it's the kind of fuel saving strategies and things like that will also come out in the wash uh, during the race um and yeah we've got a lot of learning to do uh, watching along excellent oh go ahead jeb i was just gonna say i think it's gonna be an interesting race regardless i think new New teams and new cars, but more importantly, the, the new. I'm mainly interested to see how the new top tier prototypes do, because, like Ollie said earlier, yes, there's a lot more things to go wrong. Will they go wrong? Probably not. But I think it'll be interesting because if there's anything that I've learned from watching endurance racing, is weird things happen in 24-hour races, and just weird effects that you haven't experienced. Not necessarily something failing, but just you know, hey, this sensor didn't fail, but it's only reading you know this value. It's and, you know it could be because oh the air pressure dropped or the temperature dropped overnight something like this it's just the vibrations caused it to throw errors and it just eventually gave up the ghost you know I think that'll be interesting to learn about and I look forward to seeing some of the technical breakdowns post race hopefully learning about that because I find that really interesting is the small things you can prepare the big things especially if you're a big team like Porsche Penske you can prepare the big things for the Rolex but it's the tiny things that will cause you problems and the tiny things can add up too and that's what I'm more interested to see about is the tiny small things that add up over the course of 24 hours uh and, and, and how's sorry sorry i was, good, I was good, just gonna say and with the fact that these are completely new cars like they just hit homologation late last year like late like late december mid-december so they didn't make i think there's an interview with sebastian bourdais from the racer channel that, that happened this week like they like the people making the parts like they weren't gonna make the parts until they knew what was homologated so now you're into this new, really brand new segment of homologation. There's not a whole lot of spare parts going around. So that's why when I first saw that six rack for, for the Porsche, I was like, oh, they're going to be the whole world of hurt. And that, that's always going to be a, a thing going, especially for the, the biggest race of the year for the series, which is also the longest. Uh, I think it... it it makes big challenges for especially these new teams and trying to source parts like 
Uh, so people were saying as soon as the Porsche crashed, uh, it was just like, well, they're going to be working really, really hard. I think you said that, Chris, overnight to try to get this thing repaired because who knows even if they have a lot of the spare parts required if there's anything that's broken kind of thing. And, you know, they, they want to have preparation done and finished and ready to go before, you know, as much as they can before race uh, their race week starts officially uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. So it's going to be, uh, you know, they... I don't want to say starting from the back foot because that's so cliche, but you know it's it's trying to make up for lost time, especially uh, having to repair a, car, a brand new car that might not even have parts fully sourced and prepared for yet uh, as backup. But uh, outside of that, we've got uh, just a couple of things for just sourcing here for LMP3 uh, for qualifying. Uh, Sean Creech Motorsport uh, grabs the pole. Uh, that with a uh, that's a better time than we saw in the uh, in the sports car challenge. Um, any anything of note here, gentlemen, that you want to discuss, or is this just uh, LMP3 for the sake of LMP3? And uh... <laughs> can I just bring up a, an interesting but unrelated thing, yeah. IMSA related, mm-hmm. uh, that I just learned of right now? We got breaking news fresh off the press. Oh, awesome! Uh, uh, many of you guys know Steve Myers, the guy who runs iRacing. He's the 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 iRacing guy. Yes. Uh, somebody tweeted him and asked him. He said, "Hey, man, I'm watching the roar coverage on Peacock. Uh, when are we getting another G- one of these GTPs? These look really cool." Steve Myers has responded, "We have more coming, so that'll be pretty cool. Uh-huh. Get some more prototypes in in sim racing. Get that brand, get that marketing out there. Earn yeah. big bucks for Porsche. Uh, did you know, 50% of Porsche's revenue becomes from uh from sim racing. Actually, that's it's true. It's a real fact. Um, wow. No, that's not true at all. But uh, I'm, in terms, in terms, I'm, in, I'm impressed with that false fact. That was that was impressive." Yeah. And talking about LMP3, I don't know. I don't. I can't really read too much into the LMP3 qualifying. It's it's, it's LMP3. Yeah. It's it's there. Yeah. Like 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 no like I didn't we have like a LMP3 moment. I think we had a couple of LMP3 moments in the qualifying. Like someone spun. JDC Miller spun at the bus stop. I think. There's one other uh, car maybe spun around in the infield. But yeah, it, it's a LMP3. It's it's just there to add more cars to the grid. No, no, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, at, at the Rolex, it'll be a nice class because you know, it's an extra class to follow up and keep tabs on. But uh, no, I don't think there's really much of note in here. So, all right, fine. I'll ship my focus to GT uh, qualifying. My God, we have a lot of GTs uh, here at uh, Daytona. We, we we usually do, but we've got some pretty high caliber, uh, uh, I would say, entries. Um, qualifying overall, obviously the GTDs will end up behind the GTD Pros. We saw some GTDs uh, gr- uh, being a little bit faster than the GTD Pros. I'll give the GTD pole winner first because they deserve it. I mean, they drove fast GTD Pros. Uh, Ellis uh, driving for the Mercedes AMG GT3, uh, the number 57 in GTD. Um, so he grabs pole. I'm going to talk about GTD first, guys. Um what are your guys and uh, gut picks, or what do you guys what do you guys like and dislike right now about some of these entries heading into the twenty four hour race in the GTD category? Uh, Mercedes are quick. I believe the top two uh, were Mercedes with uh, Windward and Sun Energy one. Uh, top three actually. Oh, oh top three. Oh yeah, because uh, Team Korthoff. Yep, Korthoff. Yeah, and. In this windward racing was my pick for fantasy endurance, so I already got points of the weekend for that. So thank you very much. <laughs> the poor, I know the big story. I think the big story for the GTs. Also, like a side note here, 
Um, for anybody who's new, the uh, BOP, the GTD Pro, and GTD cars exactly the same. So that's why you'll see a lot of intermixing between the classes. Um, so that's why you see a couple of GTD cars up uh, up front in front of the GTD Pro cars. But obviously, I know we spoke on it before, but the big story is, is the Porsches and how, how how far back they are. And I know people are peddling whatever theories they have on why they're, you know, either it's BOP games or if they're legit that off the pace. But I don't know, I hope there's smarter people in the world than me that are focusing on this issue so I'm not going to get too hell-bent about it. I trust them to make the right decision because IMSA has a better track record for BOP in my opinion. And they'll balance the Porsches if they need balancing for it to be make them competitive. Yeah, especially because of BM, BMW's bad suffering last year, I think, kind of didn't necessarily make a pattern, but it definitely looked like a pattern where it was just, you know, a lot of these new cars are going to really suffer with BOP. And this year, the Porsche's in a way better standing in terms of reliability and just, like progression of the car but um you know they seem to be suffering maybe a little bit more of a impact from bop than potentially even the bmw had uh but again it this isn't necessarily a completely unknown thing the 296 really kind of avoided that because their highest one was ninth in class for gtd uh the rest of their other two finished pretty down in the order as well so or the other three um i think in 16th uh what was it ninth and gtd pro yeah i mean they were they were well done as well so again i i feel like it would be more a glaring issue potentially with the amount of pro uh porsche entries we were seeing but i also think this just seems to be status quo from imsa and how they handle new cars and for that matter wc as well i mean look how bad the corvette has suffered um trying to get up to pace the last few years uh in gte when it was in there as well so how about, how about anybody else? Jeb or Al, you got any other thoughts on GTD? Liking what you're seeing? Hate it? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it, then it's weird because, yeah, it's new cars. Um, it's kind of interesting seeing Chetilar kind of stick their head out over the parapet with their lap time. Yep. Um, but on the other hand, that could be Fuoco. Like, I think it was Fuoco in the car. Like, ragging it around and making it a lot better than it was but um yeah we'll see but you know a lot of gt3 racing like i explained before is is how you manage not these one lap quality runs you know Mm -hmm. it's the it's the multi stints how easy the car is to drive and and as we have our you know eyes on GTD, it's also how easy and manageable it is for these amateur drivers. Yep, exactly. And, you know, if these two, if if let's say we're talking about the Porsche and the Ferrari at the back, if they're easier to drive by, you know, let's say five or ten percent for their amateur driver, and you manage to get your amateur driver to drive that bit faster for their stint lengths, it can cancel out what the pros can do because the differences in the amateur lap times are going to be far greater than the differences in the pro lap times mm-hmm. so yeah I think sure it's interesting to kind of make some conclusions but I don't think you know 
it's over in any respect for the Porsche or Ferraris necessarily. Like we can't say that yet uh, for for sure or not. Um, as for the pro stuff, um, I don't know if we want to link into that yet, but that's where it kind of gets a bit more concerning because yeah, um, you don't have that kind of bigger variance in driver talent. It's all really up there. So yeah, that's a bit more frustrating. But also when comparing GTD and GTD Pro, the GTD Pro teams are much better at holding their cards and like driving to a set pace. So, you know, I think maybe, maybe they're kind of just a bit chilled, let's say, compared to GTD Pro. Uh, sorry, GTD um, as a whole. I think I kind of share the same sentiment, honestly. It really is too early to tell. The main issue that Daytona has is that it, 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 most, like 90% of the track is a straight line. Right. So if your car is just more aerodynamic and has a higher top speed, you're going to be faster. And so therefore, the people are going to go, oh, the BRP is awful. It's saying, like we're seeing it with the Mercedes being so quickly. Well, the Mercedes is a straight line car. Maybe we're going to get to, you know, what's a good example of a windy road course? Uh, VIR. VIR. And the Mercedes is going to just be like completely awful because it's heavier or whatever. And then people are going to go, oh, they messed up the BOP. Oh, the Mercedes is slow now. It's just so bad. And it's like, no, it's like cars be handled differently on different circuits. I think my point is I think it's too early to tell. 100%. I agree. That's that's quite interesting point, actually, because it comes into back around to the top of the, cl of the field with the DTPs and like how they have got heavier compared to the DPIs. But because this is such a straight line dominant, well, it's not straight line, it's an oval, but anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, top, this is such a top speed dominant track. Like the extra power kind of outweighs that extra weight, let's say. Um, and so, yeah, we will see like competitive lap times for heavier cars with the extra power here compared to, like you say, a twistier track because it's such a unique like scenario kind of like how Le Mans is different to every other wet track mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah. Like, like it's I don't even bother I don't even bother talking about the BOP until Sebring realistically because Sebring's a more accurate judge right it's got fast bits but it's got technical bits and it'll kind of more accurately judge your car apart from the obvious it'll break your suspension or whatever but perfect it, track like, it, a, it's the first race of the season, and B, it is Daytona, right? So also, pretty... like, wait till the middle of the race. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yep. That's that, that's the problem, too, is it's, like, it, it's it's Daytona. So not only is it the first event of a season, where they'll probably make mistakes anyways, but it's a track that's effectively a straight line. And it's really hard to tell how well a, core hand, how well a car handles in mid-speed corners when it's going in a straight line. <laughs> like, you just, you can't tell, right? All right, there's so like two, there's two slow corners at Daytona, and they're both hairpins. Well, three, sorry, six. Well, it also helps that you know that's why Cadillac did very well. I think that that the Delara specific chassis that they used with it is slippery down a straight line, and they had a good power plant behind it, and they were just very, very good at Daytona, and they got essentially BOP'd to the part where Acura and Mazda. I mean, Mazda was quick too, but just not to the reliability aspect. But 
uh, sorry, that was a little tangent, but GTD Pro, we're talking about GTD, so I'll just shift real quick to do GTD Pro so we got the whole qualifying out of the way. Uh, that's a WeatherTech Racing Pole again, guys, in their Mercedes-AMG, and Maro Engel is on a roll. Like, the dude is just just hitting poles everywhere. Like, there isn't a race where he's entering right now where he's not, like, qualifying basically at the front row. Uh, anything to take away from qualifying entries here? Um, do you guys have any favorites? Obviously, these are more pro entries, uh, so potentially we can we can gather maybe a little bit more out of these. But you know, are, did you have favorites going into this? And after qualifying, are they still your favorites? Uh, yeah, the sixty was my favorite, um, mainly because of just, just I like the driver lineup, and uh, I, I'm quite happy with my decision since they got pole. Um, in terms of FWEC picks, I chose once again the 57 uh, for GTD, and they got pull as well. Uh, my Corvette, Corvette's kind of middle of the road down there. I will have to wait and hashtag wait and see how they do. Can't remember who I chose. I chose the, the 04 CrowdStrike Racing LMP2 um, for that class. So yeah, I mean, like like Jeb said, I think all this anybody who who knows what the BOP is, how how exactly it's going to work. They're just, they're just making predictions. They're not making any to like, you know, just hashtag wait and see. Plus, we got like what four more practice sessions before we get get back to uh, get to the green on Saturday. So we'll be able to have a lot more information then. Well, with what we have, because it's only gonna be practice. I I, I think my uh, my heart pick would be the the heart of racing team, <laughs> and. Uh, and they did pretty well in qualifying. I'm, I'm really, I don't know. There's, there's something about Aston Martin just all the time failing at uh, doing anything of relevance to uh, in GT at Daytona. Like I remember so many like one-off AMR entries that would just have the dumbest thing happen to them, like the first two or three hours in the race that would take them out of complete uh, contention, and it was just the most annoying thing ever. And I was just like, I just want. The Aston Martins to be decent whenever they're running here because they they can do it. They clearly won them all a couple times and they never would. So I've been pulling for them to like finally cross that barrier, especially in the in, in the more prestigious pro category for the GT uh, classes. And I think they might have a good shot this year. We'll just have to see how the Porsches get handled for over the next week because if this is not going to change, um, you know, and they don't have a good halfway pace at the end of it. I mean, there's a lot of cars here that I were not suspecting to be up on the leaderboard that might still stay there in the morning hours on Sunday. So, um, but yeah, anybody else, uh, Ollie or Jeb, did you guys have any interesting um, re- revelations after qualifying, or are you pretty still locked into what you guys were thinking was going to happen? No, I'm still locked in. I mean, not all my picks are leading, but uh, they're still doing pretty good. So. Okay. It's so up up in the air that I, I, I just, you know, I'm not going to cry over spilt milk, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, can I ask, uh, what did you pair with that milk uh, that you're eating? Huh? Are, are, it sounds like you're eating something. I mean, trail mix. Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You got to break the fourth wall every now and then. You got to figure out. I mean, you know. Okay, that's good. Well, I mean, you know, it's Canada. What else are you going to eat up there? 
Unbelievable. <laughs> sorry, sorry, do you want me to bring up cheese and spotted cow? Oh, yeah, those are good things. I'll, I'll tell you about them all day. That's a whole, I could do a whole episode on that. It'd be totally off topic, which is my brand. Yeah, how many brats have you got right now? Uh, not not enough. Not enough. I need to start bribing uh, the the repair shop. My car's in the shop until Friday, so I can't get to the Daytona until Friday because I have a I have a blown water pump in my GTI. So maybe I, I was told to literally go out and get bratwurst, grill them up, and serve them to him so I can get my car back faster. So I think Indecisive Rock said uh, said that to me. So that goes par for the course for Indecisive Rock saying that. But uh. Yeah, so I might have to do that, guys. Uh, go get some bratwurst tonight. Is he holding your car hostage? That's what it sounds like. No, uh, I worded that wrong. He's he's at Daytona, and I guess he uh, no. Oh. He's just giving me advice on how to get my car back faster from the shop. He's saying I should oh, I offer food as yeah. either compensation or motivation. I think more motivation, but. I would prefer a compensation because it's a lot of money. Anyway, that was that was my uh, one episode tangent uh, soapbox that I do every episode, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you guys enjoyed that little uh, two minute rant. But uh, anyway, so let's see. Uh, does anybody have any like questions? I, I know this is supposed to be kind of a live interactive thing, but everybody's been quietly listening or not commenting on anything. But you got Chris, do you have anything that anybody asked you at some point that you can remember that? we could try to randomly answer or comment on? Uh, well, we can talk about what's happening next. So basically we got three full days where we just have to twiddle our thumbs and sit, you know, sit in our butts and, you know, sit and wait. But then Thursday comes around and we got about, I believe we got two practice sessions for the weather tech guys, which as of right now, they are not streamed only live timing and IMSA radio. Um, but Thursday afternoon is where you get like uh, Cookie said before, you get the Mazda MX-5 Cup race, which that is a must-watch. So definitely put that in your calendars. And I don't know what the streaming situation is going to be like this year. I know in the past it was streamed live and free worldwide, no geoblocks, on the Racer YouTube channel. I hope that's the same. If not, then. IMSA TV will have it, and maybe Peacock. Um, then Friday comes around, we get another two practice sessions, I believe. Oh, yeah, Thursday gets three practice sessions, and Friday gets one for the WeatherTech. Then Mazda MX-5 Cup on Friday morning. And then there's also, I believe, Formula E in between that and uh, the Michelin Pilot Challenge Race, if you're interested in that. And not Michelin not Pilot at Daytona team. though. Not at Daytona. Not at Daytona. Yes, correct. That'll be in Saudi Arabia, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> uh, but then there's also Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is one of their f- two four-hour races of the year, and that starts. Yes, sir. By my count, uh, twelve thirty Eastern, one thirty Eastern. Oh, that's uh, perfectly timed. Let's go. Uh, Timing will be on the IMSA website uh, in Eastern. It starts time. at one forty-five p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the. Eastern there you Standard. go. There we go. So at 1.45 p.m. Eastern for a four-hour race. And then, um, I don't know, maybe maybe after the Michelin Pilot Challenge race, we'll have a little little vintage night for people who don't want to go to bed just yet. People yeah. want to stay up a little bit. You're telling me you don't want to watch GTP-only practice? <laughs> I can't. Nine cars I can't. lapping for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, I mean, it'll, it'll uh, give us something to listen to. At why the did track. they move the start time up? I thought it was at 2.40. Now I'm going to miss like three hours of and it. And then, oh, and then uh, <laughs> Saturday comes along, that'll be your IMSA uh, TV worldwide, except for the Baltics and New Zealand and the Amer and the States. They'll be geo-blocked. Perfect. I believe the Dutch and German also has like a separate feed, but they won't be geo-blocked. That'll be just kind of like an addition to their coverage. NBC in the States, Sky TV in New Zealand, Viaplay in the Baltics, and Scandinavia. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what to expect. If it's not, basically, if it's not a race this, uh, for this upcoming weekend, it's not going to be streamed. That's kind of the simplest answer I can give you. And then, uh, if you obviously we're here in the Discord, we'll post official live stream links and typing in our chats along with event tabs or event start times in our events tab. I will be at live at the track. I don't know. We, we might do something weird. If I have enough uh, internet, we could do uh, maybe a live episode at the, uh, at the track. I've got, I've got lavalier. I got a whole like microphone system, Chris. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. We could actually like set some stuff up and have like a little broadcast thing. Not necessarily where it would be like with the race, but, we might try to do something like that next week. Uh, I'll be arriving a little bit late, but we'll be uh, I'll be there in person. Uh, and speaking of in-person stuff, anybody that is actually going to be somehow listening to this and attending, uh, being sure to stop by our campsite. It's going to be in, uh, in the infield NASCAR, I think, near turn three. So we should be around there somewhere. Um, weather is looking interesting. Uh, no real rain expected. There might be some on Sunday, uh, but not really just a potential shower or something in the early morning, Saturday, Sunday, but I don't think it's really going to be anything. Uh, temperatures are okay though. Uh, 64 low is going to be six. Uh, the high on Friday is going to be 60 and then it's going to start rebounding from there. So it's not going to be as brutal temperatures as they were yesterday, uh, last year, I should say um, a little bit more and cheerful, enjoyable temperatures of like a, a race. Like, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm prepared to actually enjoy all of like the 24 hours weather wise, like it's always been just terrible. Like the last like five years I've gone. So what's that in non freedom? Um, yeah, it's 15.5. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sweltering. Very much. Yeah. Very much. Boiling hot day. Yep. It's really, Oh yeah, that's, that's true. Everybody else is, uh, not from not doesn't live in Florida, so uh, you guys don't know the uh, the humidity gets awful, guys. I'm sorry, the humidity gets a lot more, and it feels like the the uh, the windshield factor comes into place. So it feels colder when you get hit by very humid air. It's just a fact, guys. So this is actually this, this is actually true. Cold in twenty degrees. <sighs> this is actually true. Like I experienced this in real time. I had the whole you know tough. Oh, I'm from the north. This doesn't no, twenty degrees. That doesn't. That doesn't. That, that's not much. Then I go down to Florida. I'm like, ooh, this. The, these winds. These. The, these temperatures got hands. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? It doesn't matter because I will still say that humidity sucks no matter what temperature. And uh, yeah, well, you know what, Jeb? Take some warmth. I don't care. I, we'll send it. Half the time, whenever the Daytona... I agreed with you. Oh, okay. I thought you just booed me. Okay, never mind. Is that true? Oh, well... Oh. 
Right. Anyway. <laughs> you, know, you know how people felt when the Beatles broke up? This is that moment right now. With oh. Wow. Well, well, unfortunately. I'm trying to uh, do... your uh, Ringo, unfortunately. That's not funny. I'm trying to do like a Craig Ferguson-esque like, moment of silence. You know, that's... You know, just make it real awkward. Yep. Awkward silence. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> about IMSA and uh, Rogue 24, uh, we'll have uh, threads up on the uh, subreddit. Um, and shout out to all the moderators and stuff that are working on Discord uh, with RWC because all that is just a tightly run oiled machine. Very nice job. Oil? Yes, lots of oil. Quarts of oil. But no, uh, they, I mean, there's like the information's all there. You get the event updates and details whenever they're coming in. Um, it's ridiculously informative. I didn't think Discord could be that ridiculously uh, effective at conveying information, but you guys made it uh, really, really uh, nicely done. So um, we'll have uh, threads up for pretty much every session that we can think of um, that's worth being able to listen to or watch. Um, we'll have that up on the subreddit. And um, if there's any questions you guys have, we'll do that. I, I might try to do some live thing where we just do a live stream of the of the discord stuff, but we'll see about that. Otherwise, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to another awesome and spectacular, uh, IMSA season with the Rolex 24 kicking us off. And then obviously we have GTP and, uh, LMDHs. So guys, any closing thoughts you guys have while we're, uh, wrapping up this, uh, live episode? Uh, not much. It's just, it's just going to be a long week of waiting. Oh, we'll get by. We'll get by. Not with the BOP complaints. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and it's Porsche too, so I'm expecting. I actually I don't know how Flood would handle this. Like you know, uh, yeah. I mean, he's such a Porsche fanboy, so it's just like. But then at the same time, you know, we're we're definitely supportive of the uh, of the the admin bodies and all their uh, and all the work they do. So, are we going to hear Flood complain about BOP this week? I don't know. <laughs> North, North American North American mods waking up at 8 a.m. to see the Europeans have already been arguing for five hours about the <laughs> Look, that's why that's why we pay you the the bucks. I'm currently doing a challenge called January. It's where I have to get through January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next net next episode will be about uh, moderator mental health. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> But yeah, otherwise, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know it's what else we Sarah got. McLaughlin, it's the Sarah McLaughlin commercial, but it's just pictures of us instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. So with that, me reading, I, my, me reading the 10th message asking if there's a screen available. <laughs> Thank no. you, Jeb. Thank you for your service. Uh, but yeah, we're, we'll have an episode. Well, we'll at least have a post-race episode of the uh, Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, coming up, we've got another final episode to do, me and Chris. That'll recap. We'll, we'll try to do it. That is, We won't talk about the Rolex 24 at all. And that will be absolutely stupid and insane. But I think that might actually be the topic for ours. Um, and then, yeah, stay tuned for the Down Under guys as they do their own uh, stuff. I, I know we got the we got some yeah, races coming are, up, too. Yeah, they're doing a, I think, a couple days after the Rolex. They're going to be recording a Bathurst 12-hour preview episode, 28 cars for that race. So expect a, the preview episode to probably be up maybe on the Thursday or Friday um, of next week. Uh, and also, um, 
one thing to note before we leave. Uh, the Bathurst 12-hour has a base support lineup. Unfortunately, they're only going to be showing each support race only once. But you have combined sedans, which is basically just a, just a whole hodgepodge mix of cars. And Formula Ford. So uh, that's going to be Friday night uh, for the North Americans. And then early Friday morning, uh, or Saturday morning European time. And then obviously Saturday for the Antipodeans on the other side of the world. So uh, tune in for that to be on the Bathurst 12-hour and GT World YouTube channel. Yeah, we're we're doing lots of lots of coverage this year, so we're going to try to hit as many as we can, and uh, we've got different crews trying to cover different stuff, so just uh, keep us tuned in for 2023, and get ready for the Rolex 24, guys. We are, too. Have fun, guys. Peace out. Gazoo! Oh, yeah, and shout-out to the guys that were uh, like legitimately taking pictures of the other uh, LMDH uh, uh, cars. That was awesome. All right, bye. Bye.